Joe Fuller, and this is Spartanburg Women in Medicine podcast. In this show, you meet the incredible women in medicine of our community and hear their stories. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our the Spartanburg Women in Medicine podcast. I'm your host, uh, Dr. Jess Joe Fuller. Uh, so glad to have you here with us. And today have a we have a wonderful episode with one of the co-founders of the SWIM community. And I can't wait to start. But before we get there, just as an intro, what we do is we meet our guest and we let them tell us about who they are and who in this uh, in their professional life and what roles they play. And and then we ask them about their experience with our women in medicine community, uh, as well as any special projects and interests they are into, um, and their uh, self-care um, tips, uh, anything that has really helped them cope with the stressors and, of being a physician. And, and lastly, and I feel most importantly, we also ask for wisdom and all of the wisdom they have gathered through this long, uh, this career path. So here we go. Uh, with the uh, most pleasure, I'm, uh, I'd like to welcome Dr. Lapham. Uh, how are you doing today? So good to have you here. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm doing well today. I appreciate great. <laughs> Same. I am so glad we could do it. And uh, please tell the audience about yourself. Take it from here. So I'm uh, Dr. Rosanna Lapham, and I'm a pathologist here in Spartanburg. I've been here for over 20 years working in this private practice group. Um, I'm originally from Texas, where I did most of my training in pathology. And uh, I moved here because Spartanburg was a like a great place to raise children. I could live close to work, which I really like to do. So I've been quite happy here with the great medical staff. And, um, you know, as a pathologist, we work more with the other physicians in town. Um, and I can tell you, I've seen a lot of change over the years with the physicians. Um, and we have a lot more women than we used to have, especially in the hospital setting. So, um, it's been a great place to have my career. Great. So where in Texas are you from? I'm originally from Victoria, Texas, which is South Texas. And I did my training and um, went to college in Texas. I did my medical school in Galveston, um, okay. which was really fun being right next to the <laughs> to the beach. Sure, yeah. And then I did um, some training overseas in Scotland and where I had my children and moved back and finished my training or had to repeat some training because of the American, um, the way the U.S. system works. And so I got to uh, do some training in the Texas Medical Center, which is the largest medical center in the world in Houston, Texas. It was so exciting. And some of the best pathologists in the world um, right there. It was an exciting place to be. Um, wow. Yeah, sounds like it. Wow. Um, so to, I, you know, I'm just curious, 20 years, um, was there a medical school back then? I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked in at the Spartanburg? history of it. No, yeah. there was no medical school. In fact, it was really kind of interesting place to practice here because we're a really busy regional medical uh, center here in Spartanburg. And there was not at the time a medical school. 
Mm -hmm. We got complex cases and really, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, pathology that was complex. And uh, I was able to bring my training. I trained at MD Anderson Cancer Center and did a lot of complex cancer cases there. So I was able to bring that here because a lot of times if you're right next to an academic center, some of the more complex cases get siphoned off to the academic center, but that wasn't the case here. So it's been a really fulfilling place to practice. Oh, I I completely agree because I remember being in fellowship, you would be always vying for these really complex cases in Philadelphia. But, you know, Philadelphia has some big names like University of Pennsylvania and et cetera. And you, you just kind of wondered that, are we really getting to see everything? And then you go to the community and there that's where you feel like, wow, I got to diagnose something so complex that I wouldn't have been able to if I was in a big city because there's a surplus of doctors and somebody has already looked into it and you you... It's, it's a challenge. It's a lot of responsibility, a lot of uh, pressure to really get the diagnosis correct, but it's also very intellectually stimulating. Uh, wow. Okay. You know, I think in that sense, Spartanburg community has grown tremendously. Like now there's a medical school, a bunch of residency programs, fellowship programs. And um, I love that because it's it has the community feel, but it's sort of a, that academic in built in. I'm very fortunate because Spartanburg has a transitional residency and a family medicine residency. And I've been in charge of education for pathology for years. And so we have, and we have Wofford students and all sorts of different people rotate through pathology. They sit with us at the multi-headed microscope. So they're like right there looking at the same thing I'm looking at and going forward, it'll be more sort of, uh, we can, with new technology, you can image a slide and be able to I'd be able to show you over the computer what the pathology looks like if you are interested. So that's been great fun. I've actually had a few successes of, um, I think I've had a few people from surgery switch to pathology. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so we've had a few, but I think it's sweet. They get to rotate through the lab and, and see what pathology really entails. Because yeah. I think a lot of Medical students don't really know what goes on in the lab, so it's good for residents to. And we always want people to come by and see us. Um, it sounds like a very inspiring place. I, it sounds like you know, I as a nephrologist, I dream of the day where I can see the pathology next to on my patient's chart. You know, I think it's time that. We know if somebody's had a kidney biopsy, we have the pictures and we can actually so show them, look, this is what's going on in your glomerulus or, you know, filter, et cetera. Now that's coming. So I think within the next five years, uh, our images will just be like radiology images so that anybody can pull them up. Uh, oh, nice. It's the same technology as radiology images. Pax, but, tax yeah, system. the PACs. But the pathology images are... Um, take a lot more storage. So they're much, oh, there's a lot bigger. of them bigger. Yeah. I so, see. But we're getting well, there. You know, I don't know if people who are listening in can already sense your, uh, you know, general acumen towards technology, because that's how we know her, you know, we know you as with the, you know, knowing all the latest gadgets, programs, you know, we're always looking up to like, 
we should ask her because she'll probably know what to do. And so, yeah, tell us your journey with SWIM. How was that for you? Well, so, you know, Dr. Amy Barish is also a pathologist and she sits right across the hall from me and she's wonderful. And it was her idea to start SWIM. And I was like, oh, I want to help, but I want to make sure we're tech enabled and uh, that, you know, it comes across real professional. So her and I worked on logos and how to send out emails. So we, you know, used a lot of the free technology that's out there, like MailChimp. And we kind of learned as we went along. And uh, my children are sort of very tech, techy. So I would, it was a way to communicate and, and ask my children things. And so uh, they helped a lot. And that was a lot of fun to have that connection. And so that was sort of how it started off. And um, up until this year, I was doing a lot of the sort of behind the scenes uh, with SWIM. But this year, I've um, well, at the end of last year, kind of gave it up. And uh, y'all are really doing a great job moving it forward. (laughs) But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I can remember when I was here, I would have to you know, we used to all go to the doctor's lounge and eat lunch. And it was all these men talking about Duke basketball. <laughs> and I had no interest in that. But now with swim, I see other swim members in the hall and I know who they are now. Whereas before, everybody was so busy. They didn't get to know each other. So it's really been a, a community builder. And I really mm-hmm. feel like we've done a great job of trying to introduce new people to the community to swim. It was interesting with swim though. Then I got kind of involved with the Spartanburg County Medical Society and also mm-hmm. with the Spar- the South Carolina Medical Association. Oh, and okay. We really, we put in some, um, some initiatives to try to get representatives from South Carolina to go to the AMA women's physician section and maybe to have a women's physician section in uh, the South Carolina Medical Association. And before COVID, I think they were making some headway to maybe have a lunch, but Mm -hmm. kind of model it after what the AMA and like Texas Society of the Texas Medical Association have done. And now they have women's sections. So I think there's some work to, to be done in, South Carolina to kind of bring our women in medicine groups uh, together and, and establish them more on a state basis and really get representation on these bigger initiatives at the AMA. So I was sort of involved in that. And I think um, Octavia is going, has taken more of that because uh, she is now on the board at the Spartanburg County. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I love you all for spearheading such an important cause. I think. When you have representation, you have a more, you know, like the real community feel because that's how we are. We everybody's here, and when we everybody's rep, feels represented, and then it it's, it just becomes a healthy foundation of a community and an organization and association. So, I I am I I'm in awe of you guys. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you guys are awesome, really inspiring. Okay, grow. Uh, okay, so um, tell, uh, you know, so this I know you you are literally, I know you created the foundations of SWIM. I see it every day. Everything has your name on it. I know that she built it. You know, you did everything. And I'm just trying to pull it forward the best I can. And, uh, and of course, we always need people to help us out. Uh, so, you know, this is a shout out to the community. If anyone is into these kind of tech- technological things, 
we need you, you know, <laughs> because we are also full-time doctors and parents and everything else. And, and this is sort of a passion-driven uh, community. And if you can contribute just even a tad bit, whatever you can, it will be great. And this platform is really for everybody. Uh, that is really how I see it. Yeah. And if anybody's interested, you know, I'm ready to jump back in there and help and teach some of these things. I think mm. um, it can help you in other aspects of your life too with productivity. And mm. if you're in a, a group of other physicians, you know, you can make changes there with what you might have learned with the technology that we've implemented at SWIM. So if anybody's interested, I'm game to help out again. <laughs> oh, great. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Wow. Um, so yeah, I know your special interest. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, comes to my mind is cryptocurrency. It's <laughs> about your uh, take on that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I started in 2017, kind of dabbling in it. And, and a lot of it is sort of more blockchain. And there are a lot of technologies with uh, privacy. And, you know, in medicine, there's a lot of privacy um, emphasis, especially with uh, the new genomics and pathology and the genomics of tumor is very important. So there's a lot going on in healthcare and blockchain. So I'm very interested in that. And I started to go to um, blockchain meetings and it's a real community of people, the um, mm. crypto community. <laughs> so it's been a way to, I, I like to think of myself as a lifelong learner. And so it's just been something to learn about and have fun with and um, kind of practicing with it. I think over the years, a lot of this will be easier to do. Like you won't have to have these long passwords and things, but um, I think just it was an interest. Uh, and I would, I do think it's so important for women to be investors just in general. And I think a lot of, um, you know, even in cryptocurrency or even just regular like Robinhood, the investment platform that you can sign up for free, they have very low numbers of women investors. And I think it's very important for women physicians to look after their, um, you know, financial literacy and become an a little bit more involved, and I wish I had earlier on. So that gives me an idea that we should probably invite some financial uh, expert to give us, uh, like you know, some tips on that. In fact, women investors are considered to be the right kind of investors. They have just the right amount of con conservative approach that is needed to be successful investor. Uh, so I, uh, you know. I ha I jumped into all this on my own small ways, but you know we we kind of um, also I think uh, I'm sure I don't know how our audience feels about this, but I I felt that you have to be really wealthy to be an investor, but I, I that is not true. You could start anywhere, you know. And also, so you can do some angel investing, and they make it easy now where you can do invest in like really early companies. And some of it's just sort of a passion, like, oh, you know, this company, I would like to see them succeed because I want, you know, I like their technology or what they're doing. And so that's fun, too. So if anybody's interested, like in angel investing, I can give some tips on that, too, to the women in our community. Yeah. So I'll have to ask you to give me all that information so I can put that all in the description box of this video oh, yeah. when it goes out, because I think this is really 
uh, going to be an area of interest, at least it is for me. So yeah, I'm and sure. There's great things on the internet to learn about these um, that, and they make it fun. So yeah, great. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and you feel awesome. part of a community. I think that's why. I just um, have been, especially with the pandemic, you can't leave or go anywhere much, and so I start reading about it, and um, that a lot of these technology companies use discord i think it's you know like a gaming thing <laughs> but it's a way that you can communicate with people you don't know and it's um about these topics so that's a lot of fun tokenization though you do a lot of that with gaming and so that's sort of uh, blockchain technology too so ask them about this is going over my head <laughs> tokens and uh, yeah, it'll be, I think the world is going to be changing uh, even more dramatically. So, and I want to bring think- that technology to the lab. You know, I really think it's important that people have ownership of their genomics and there's ways to do that and participate in research um, at the same time. That is awesome. I'm so inspired. I think we, we got to bring you back for more teaching, <laughs> you know, more uh, real time, just talking about this stuff so we can all learn from you. Yeah, maybe so, in a year or so when I've maybe learned a bit more. <laughs> I'm just getting kind of started. Okay. So um, tell us about your uh, self-care. What is your go-to thing? It looks like you you're love to learn, but how do you decompress, you know, when you're having a uh, what what do you go to? Cup of tea, walk? What is it? <laughs> I don't think I'm very good at it, but I know sometimes I like to um, just do things on the computer. I know my husband's always like, "Why are you doing that?" And I said, "Well, I, I enjoy that." So I know it's kind of like, odd, yeah. not games, but just researching things and being on the computer. Oh. And um, yeah, I do have to work on my self care, but. Um, I do like, uh, I did start cooking. It was unusual because I never liked to cook, but then I figured out what I really don't like is grocery shopping. So now, <laughs> now I get these, uh, oh I get these I things, relate to that. Yeah, I get these boxes delivered that have all the instructions and I really, it's sort of therapy for me um, to do the cooking and I've really enjoyed that. So I think, um, it's been a I few years. I never cooked when I was, uh, when my kids were little. And it was funny because they're all great cooks. So I said the one thing I couldn't teach them, they became really good at. In fact, my daughter has a food truck in Australia. And wow. it's, a, it's called the Palmetto and she does barbecue. So it was like, it Please was. Give us a link to that yeah. because. You never know who's going to watch this podcast and be like, I want to check out that food truck and maybe it's in their neighborhood because well, I, I mean, it's way in Australia. So I don't, I know, I know <laughs> people lives- in Australia, you know, oh, okay. maybe yeah. my friend lives there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anybody in Australia, she's, uh, she knows, a. yes, yeah, she lives in a beautiful place in Australia. And uh, so that's been fun to watch that, but it was funny because they became cooks because they had to fend for themselves. <laughs> so, so I've been learning and I think that's a lot of fun. I never appreciated it as much, but like I don't have to go to the grocery store, which is what I do not like. <laughs> I used to think that cooking is like one hobby that gives you a very tasty reward at the end. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a big uh, motivator, you know? So 
tell us about your, uh, you know, the wisdom uh, that you've gained. Uh, what do you think, you know, looking back when you were starting out, do you remember yourself back then and how you were and how have you changed? How's, what's this, what do you take from this profession? You know, please share that. I think, you know, when I was in medical school, my class had like 25% women and I was just all about the studying and, you know, becoming a physician. And then I had my children and I was concentrating on that and like got to know friends, you know, parents of them. And mm-hmm. I really didn't. And, and I had some, some mentors, you know, that were a few years older than me, like, you know, you had residents or young faculty and they were sort of my mentors, but I never really thought about it. Like when I was going to be an, you know, an elder physician, <laughs> I didn't have good role models. So I think, I wish I had done some things differently so I would be more prepared for that. I think having maybe made stronger relationships um, with the other women physicians when I was uh, sort of younger would have helped. And I did concentrate a lot on my children and their lives and, and got to know people through them. But then that all goes away <laughs> when they go off and live their lives. So. Um, and trying to navigate, not really having good role models for sort of elder physicians. And so that's sort of what I kind of want to do now is to be able to be a role model for people that are my age and and kind of navigate this, you know, end of career years um, Mm -hmm. that I really didn't have any concept of. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about mentoring the the young medical students and the residents, but, you know, there is this category of us that are becoming older and what do you do? I mean, you spend your whole life, you know, being busy and, you know, medicine, and then, you know, how do you plan for that? So that's kind of what I'm trying to learn and to navigate and Mm -hmm. maybe didn't think about a lot when I was younger, (laughs) but now it's kind of, I'm facing so it. So what I'm hearing is that you kind of missed out on not, you felt like you missed not having, missed not having the older role models. Yes, so, I think I didn't have, or I wasn't paying attention to them. Like to me, hmm. it was like, I don't, you know, I was, I needed the role models to like how to navigate everything I was doing at the time and, you know, getting advice from them. And I don't either... I didn't pay attention or I didn't know they weren't there. But I do think that, um, you know, it's important for us that are getting older to not only mentor, but also sponsor and, uh, and, and work on that. And I really have been very interested in, in working more as teams. I think we didn't get a lot of training with that when we were younger, you know, you kind of forge ahead. And I think as with new technology and really having how to navigate as teams. I think a lot of technology and programmers, they work on teams and they have projects and project management. But I don't think a lot of us learned those skills of how to take a project from start to finish and how to incorporate the team. It's more like you, you know, you're working on your individual patients. And I agree. So I, I think, totally agree. Yeah. I think 
That is something that I've I've kind of learned through nephrology. Nephrology is a re- really unique field in that way because once you become a nephrologist, after a year, you are eligible to be a medical director of a dialysis unit. And that you kind of preside over a team. And then sometimes, yes, this is just medical stuff. Is the water quality fine? If any, there is a big disaster in the area and you need to dialyze more patients. Or there is, you know, patients, nobody's doing what they're supposed to do. How do you manage it? And sometimes there are real personnel issues that you get involved in. And, you know, it is, it's been a learning curve. I remember when I was very young and I remember everybody in my team was older than me. And I was like, gosh, you know, they're not going to listen to me. I don't know what to do. I just felt so like insufficient for that role. You know, we don't get any formal training in medicine. And I think people kind of discount that um, doctors don't need it. This whole management training, the team training, I think medicine careers should be like training should have in a little you know, like an alt MBA built into it, you know, like. And I think it will go that way because as, you know, a lot of medicine is just not going to be where you can memorize it anymore. So you will be using more AI technology and perhaps medical school will evolve in different ways of teaching. It won't all, I just remember, and I went to medical school a long time ago. It seemed like it was all just memorize this and memorize that. Oh, I know. I know. I'm lucky to be in this age because I am not a good memorizer. I have to understand and then I don't forget it, you know. But if I don't understand, I can spend 10 hours learning this something and I may remember it for like a few days. And after that, it's like out of out the window. <laughs> My brain doesn't want to hold all that information. Well, with pathology, you know, it's very sort of visual learning and pattern oh, pattern that. recognition. And so uh, I, t- I happen to have the skill of pattern recognition. But, you know, computers can probably do it better once they're trained. Um, mm-hmm. I won't be able to do all of it. but um, And I don't think it will replace pathologists, but you know, it would replace pathologists who aren't interested in learning the new technology. And, and, you know, it's going to be faster with radiology, but pathology won't be far behind uh, with these new technologies. And so I think it's exciting. I think the, we might have more uh, opportunity to do teamwork. Maybe pathologists will discuss more of their pathology with patients and, uh, we can be more integrated that way with the new technologies. So I think it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Um, the next, the so next, good. the you next like, you know, the position on the cutting edge. I'm, I'm getting all inspired, really inspired. This is cool. Well, this is so good. Thank you so much. And I am so glad we could do this today. I know they, you know, and I, I was really looking forward to working with you because I've had some glitches and I wanted to see how you think about these glitches. And, you know, I'm glad we have been able to work it out. And uh, hopefully this recording will go smoothly. Um, yeah, it's been a lot and- of fun. I've had fun. This is my first podcast, so... <laughs> And I'm sure there are many more to come. I encourage you to make your own podcast. I can show you the basics and then, you know, talk about all the stuff you were telling me about. I'm sure, you know, whatever you're learning, share, you know, and that is a really cool way to get yourself engaged with the community. I know I would like to know, love, learn more. And if there's a podcast I can listen to every day, somebody who is a doctor and, you know, there is something about 
that affinity to other doctors because you feel like we went through the same pathway of learning. Our brains have grown the similar kind of with ideas. So we're not so far away from each other. When, but when you go to a tech world, you, you don't know what's, what foundations they already have and what understanding of things they already have. So you kind of feel like, I'm not sure I get it all. I, I, maybe you get it all, but you'd never feel that surety, you know? So I, I kind of like the idea of learning from a physician instead of like from a financial tech person completely. So, okay, here we are. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank it was you. so fun. I loved every second of this conversation. Thank you.